Ziploc that Right on my waistline is why I kept that strap I remember nights, I didn't remember nights I damn near went crazy, I had to get it right Now I'm your favorite rapper's favorite rapper Hey, now I'm your favorite trapper's favorite trapper The absolute truth, yeah, no joke Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Trap Draw Podcast. My name is Randy. I am flying solo today. Tron is flying uh, actually over to Dallas. I will just tease that a little. I'm sure I'm going to ask him a lot more about that. Next week, he and I will be back with some special guests for a chop session. This week, one of my favorite things to do, I have Beth Ann Nichols of Golf Week joining me to put a bow on the 2022 LPGA golf season. They wrapped up right before Thanksgiving with their tour championship. Lydia Co. won that, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the dinner situation arising from that week, which Beth Ann wrote about. And uh, yeah, we'll go back with some of the bigger storylines and players and discuss everything to do with the 2022 season. Before I bring in Beth Ann, though, I want to thank one of our sponsors, and that is Whoop. Today's episode is brought to you by Whoop, the personalized digital fitness and health coach, an official fitness wearable of the PGA and LPGA tours. Monitor your recovery, sleep, training, and health with personalized recommendations and coaching feedback with Whoop. Train smarter, recover faster, sleep better, and now feel healthier with Whoop and their all-new Whoop 4.0 the latest, most advanced fitness wearable on the market. The all-new 4.0 is smaller, smarter, and designed with new biometric tracking, including skin temperature, blood oxygen, and more. The device features a new smart alarm designed to wake you up feeling refreshed and ready to take on the day. Plus, it was designed with their new Anywhere technology, so you can wear it with their Whoop body sensor-enhanced technical garments. Listeners, this all-new waterproof device is free when you sign up for a WHOOP 4.0 membership. And for any current members, if you have six months left of membership on your account, you can upgrade now and get the 4.0 for free. On top of that, WHOOP is offering 15% off when you use the code NLU15 at checkout. So go to WHOOP.com, enter NLU15 at checkout, and save 15%. Thank Whoop for being a sponsor of the Trap Draw. And now let's bring in Beth Ann. Beth Ann, I saw, I think you are completing your 20th year at Golf Week. Could that be right? Oh, my goodness. Yes. But just for clarification, I want to know that I started at age 22. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't know. You know, I I was guessing maybe you started like at 10 or 11. (laughs) Right? Exactly. I'll go with your Uh, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, I do want to point out, besides all your great work at Golf Week, people can find you on Twitter at Golf Week Nichols. You are uh, a wonderful follow there. And it's always just a real pleasure for me to get to talk to you, uh, especially about women's golf. So thank you once again for joining me. Uh, This will kind of be the bow on the 2022 LPGA season, if you will. Perfect. Always appreciate being on. (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes. Well, let's start here. Um, I think we just need to talk about the 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 kerfluffle. Would that be the right word? This this dinner. I hate when people just add gate to anything, but dinner gate at the CME Tour <laughs> Championship. Uh, why don't you walk us through the article and, and your reporting that you put out there, and um, I can kind of ask you questions off of that. 
Yeah. So I, I think uh, just straight off the bat, you know, why is this a story? Well, I think some people have questioned that it's a story because Terry Duffy not only just wrote the biggest check in women's golf to a winner and Linnea Co taking home $2 million, but this event, the CME Group Tour Championship, has really moved the needle, uh, you know, in terms of getting other folks who can write big checks to uh, to start thinking about it. So, um, you know, I, when when a guy like that is unhappy, it's 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 a story. And so I I heard about what happened. I heard that he was really upset. I reached out to see if he would be interested in, in talking to me about it, and he got back in record time crazy fast and uh which means he really wanted to talk about it (laughs) yes yes and and i i circled back to him a few days later and we chatted again and uh still very much interested in talking about it and reiterating the point that you know his main beef was with with leadership so um look there's been a lot of point missing here let's just start with serena williams uh the the, the dinner that we're talking about took place on Tuesday night. And, and, and the reason that this event, you know, is in existence is because it started as a pro-am that was in concert with this conference that, that CME group hosts. And we're talking, the folks that come as speakers to this conference are former presidents, you know, Obama, uh, George Bush, uh, the Clintons, uh, Madeleine Albright, uh, Condoleezza Rice, Tony Blair. It's a who's who. And, uh, and so, you know, this is a big deal for, for, you know, for the CME group. And, and so it's going on at the same time, this time because the Ocean Club was closed across the street, everything was being held on property at the Ritz, which is important to note because players literally just had to like get in the elevator and come downstairs to wherever the dinner was. But anyway, so Serena Williams was supposed to be the, the speaker. That was not mentioned in the story uh, that Serena uh, withdrew, shall we say, from the event um, that day because she was feeling ill. And so she, she was no longer going to be there. I don't really think that should be important because the point of the dinner for players was not to be entertained by Serena Williams. It was to be there for Terry Duffy and his clients. And they like to have, you know, a player at each table. And, uh, and there was clearly a colossal breakdown in communication on all fronts in that, you know, when Terry Duffy asked the players in the room to stand up, to be recognized, the only people standing were those serving the tables and there, there, there were no players in the room which was a, a hugely embarrassing moment and uh, a very frustrating moment for Terry for, for obvious reasons. And, uh, and I think this escalated even more so because it took leadership some time to connect with Terry and apologize and say, look, this will never happen again. And so the situation was not diffused uh, in short order either. And so that didn't help. So I think, uh, then that's just a little bit of background in terms of, of why, why this was important because everyone needs to have their, their priorities in order when it comes to these, these events. And that's fantastic context. I'd like to read a couple of the quotes that you have uh, from Terry Duffy that were in your article. The first being speaking to the embarrassment that you mentioned, uh, he said, quote, it's an embarrassment to a company of my size and an embarrassment to me personally. They, meaning uh, leadership, they better get their act together because they're going to lose people like me over stuff like this. 
He went on to say, quote, I'm concerned about the future of the tour because leadership needs to work with their players to make sure that everybody has a clear understanding of how we grow the game together along with sponsors and others. There's no one person, no two people who can grow it alone. You need everybody. They say it takes a village, and I think their village is getting a little fractured. Let me, I guess, ask you right there, is that... Has that been your sense at all through, you know, through this year or years prior? Do you sense any of that little bit of fractures, fissures that that Terry Duffy's alluding to? Well, I think, first of all, anytime you have a change in leadership, uh, transition is difficult. And so uh, clearly there's a, a, a big difference in personality and delivery communication between Mike Wan and, and Molly Marcusamon. And so there's there's you know, there's going to, there's going to be, there will be some growing pains during, during that, um, during that time. I also think that, as I mentioned in the story, prior to Molly Marcusamon coming on, there was an issue with, with players, uh, you know, not necessarily uh, doing all the media that, um, that one would assume that they would be doing that, the kind of thing that you would see from, from big stars in the past, uh, you know, players just quite frankly weren't doing it or were doing half of what used to be done. And and so, I think you know, that, again, a problem that predated Molly Marcusamon, but I do think that um, I'm sure Terry Duffy probably had no idea about any of that. That's something that I see on, on my end. But, you know, he wanted to make sure that this was a leadership issue because in his mind, ultimately the buck stops there. You know, it's up to the leader to make sure that everyone knows um, you know, here's what we're doing this week. Here's what, here, you know, and Mike Juan would talk about that, about what, you know, each check writer signs on to be partners with us for different reasons. And it's important to understand what those reasons are week to week. And look, it's not phenomenal TV ratings, right? Like you've got it. It's, it, you can't say, well, the men don't have to do this. He, he, that, that, don't even pay attention to that because that there's different reasons, different levels of exposure for why, you know, sponsors are signing on with the LPGA and, and part of that exposure is doing the media and part of that exposure is so showing up to events and, and, and mingling with clients. And I do want to add, uh, as you said, maybe not as quickly as Terry Duffy would have liked, but Molly Marcusamon, the LPGA commissioner did respond to the situation. Uh, and again, I'm quoting her from your story quote, there was clearly a disconnect and it's my responsibility to make sure that this doesn't happen. So on this particular issue, I'm taking full responsibility as a leader of the organization to make sure that doesn't happen again. So I guess I give her credit. She, she owned, you know, she, she owned it completely. Um, a, a couple of questions, I guess. The first being, and, and you touched upon it a little bit, is it, are, are these expectations of, the women on the LPGA are are they fair in in your mind? Does is this you know kind of as the cliche goes? This is what the money's for. I mean, it, it's it's not similar, I guess, to the PGA Tour in some respects. I guess end of the day, um, do you find fault with some of the players here, or are they being asked to do too much? Before hey, this is one of the biggest tournaments of their life. They don't need to be distracted on a Tuesday night. Uh, I mean, I can see arguments kind of on both sides. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yes. I mean, I, I, I think that, um, you know, ultimately it would, in an perfect case scenario, you know, we could make a comparison to the PGA tour and, and we could say, Hey, maybe they're not going to go to a dinner on a, on a Tuesday night. I understand those thoughts, but the LPGA is not there just point blank. They're not there. Like they, they still have to do, you know, above and beyond things in all aspects of, of the tour in all obligations. I, I, I think that mentality of above and beyond still needs to exist because when you look at the schedule, they lost three events going into next year and added one. Yes. A lot of, uh, you know, some of the purses went up. Yes. Total purse is over a hundred million, but you also have a couple events in China that might not happen. And you have a four month break where most of the tour isn't playing for four months. So, so I, I really don't think that that argument flies. And I, I also think that ultimately, look, as, as adults, when we RSVP that we're going to go to something and we change our mind, even if we don't quite understand the full picture of what it is that we've RSVP'd to, at minimum, you turn around and say, I won't be attending. So that the person who asks can either replace you or let people know, you know, what what, what the current situation is. So you know, I, I think for players who look at it, look at this, like I said earlier about this is a Serena Williams, you know, not being there is a reason this happened. That's not understanding at all the point of being at the dinner. Um, you know, I think that as Terry said, straight off at the top of my call, I've, I've made it worth everyone's time to be here. I raised the purse to 7 million. The, the player who finishes last he didn't go on to say this, but the, the player who finishes last, you know, makes $40,000. So that's a lot of money in, to, in the women's game for last place. So, yeah, I think they should have gone. How would you rate the first year plus of the, uh, the Molly Marcuse-Saman LPGA Tour? You know, I would say for starters, you know, obviously these are unprecedented times given the situation with uh, Golf Saudi and the unknowns with with Liv and, uh, you know, how how this is going to play out. It's certainly a, as I said earlier, a huge contrast to Mike Wan, who, who overshared sometimes. <laughs> Staff was like, wow, he's going to say all that, you know. <laughs> um, but but we love that about Mike Wan, his transparency, and it's it's a stark contrast to to how uh, the current commissioner communicates. And so it's hard for me really to uh, to give a strong uh, vision or understanding of of how she's going to handle things and where she's going. I, I still can't really communicate that to you. And uh, looking at the schedule, which there's a lot to, to be concerned about when you look at the schedule, I think. And so I realize it's complicated. I realize it's a, it's a big puzzle. But I also think that Mike Wan had, had to save the tour twice and, you know, took the tour, you know, through, through COVID being the second time and, and, and set her up pretty good. So um, my rating right now is, is, is probably a C. And that's your rating. Do you have a sense of any of the more premier players, how, how they're getting along with, with Commissioner Marcuse-Saman, I, I guess, as opposed to what they were with, with Commissioner Juan? Are, are there new frustrations that are, that are cropping up with the new commissioner? I, I think there are. I mean, look, when you get that many that many people, you know, you're always going to have frustrations. You're always going to have 
um, people who, who think they have a better, a better way of doing things. But, you know, I, I definitely think there are just a lot of question marks. There are just a lot of unknowns. And uh, in terms of like, a lot of people say to me, well, who's going to be the Rory McIlroy or the Tiger Woods of the LPGA when, when Liv comes calling or, you know, when a Romco comes calling, it's all, all the same pile of money. You know, what, who's, who, who are those players going to be? And outside of Stacey Lewis, I don't really have an answer because it, it really does feel like most of those top players would take the money. And, uh, and so I think having just that in the middle, right, of, yeah. of no matter what else is going on, when you have that in the middle of, of the players versus the commissioner in terms of, you know, trying to uh, manage this, this, this boulder that's coming down at you, it's, it's, as I said, an unprecedented and tough situation. And, and, uh, and so I'm, I'm really curious to see what, because they're being very close, close lipped, not a lot of information at all in terms of, you know, dealing, dealing with what, what could lie ahead in the very near future. I guess anything else from the CME tour championship, the dinner situation that, you want to talk about, explain, uh, give context to that you think people were were maybe missing, or that wasn't quite part of the narrative as it as it got out into you know Twitter and and the wider spaces. You know, I I, I think we hit on most of it. I mean, the idea that there's you know there are two pro ams, yes. It's not like one player's playing in both. <laughs> it's not like you're going to play a course across the street. I, I feel like so many things about that event are first class. You also have the Rolex Awards going on that that week, and you can't really move that, you know. So it's 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 tough in that there are a lot of extracurriculars, and yes, maybe there are some things beyond those events that the tour could move to another week that the tour could, you know, take some things off of, off of the players plates and maybe communicate a little bit better in terms of what the LPGA is asking of its players beyond the sponsor. And, and maybe there's some work that could be done there. Uh, certainly some work internally on the staff with communication to players. Uh, but ultimately I think, you know, it's players need to also take it upon themselves, their responsibility of, of, hey, what are the most important things the sponsor wants this week? You know, and and it's not like there are 10 Terry Duffy's lined up ready to take his place. Well, I think this is certainly something that will continue uh, into 2023 and, and certainly something uh, we should all keep an eye on. And, and I'm sure we'll be talking about. With that said, uh, 2022 golf wise fantastic season i mean i think we got to start here lydia ko won the cme tour championship she returns to number one in the world uh i think that's probably the biggest storyline that we'll remember about 2022 do you agree kind of the the lydia ko officially back at the top of women's golf uh, a, a thousand percent <laughs> yes yes uh, I, it was wonderful to see <laughs> yes, yes. And um, in addition to all that, so she captures the season-long points race. She wins the player of the year. She won three times this year. I will say no majors, though, uh, and has now inched her way ever closer to the Hall of Fame. I'm curious, Beth Ann, 
you know, the, the LPGA uses a formulaic system to determine its player of the year, whereby where you finish each week uh, is granted a certain amount of points, and then there's a season-long points list for player of the year. So we've established Lydia won that award this year, but if it were an award to be voted on, and you had a vote, I'm curious if you would vote Lydia. And I only asked that because I said she won three times. She did not win a major. I think you have three other women that would be in a conversation. Probably first and foremost, Jennifer Cupcho, who won three total times, one of those being a team event, but also a major. And then you had both Brooke Henderson and Minji Lee winning twice including a major. Uh, I'm curious how a vote for player of the year would shake out from you. Honestly, I, it's, it's definitely still Lydia. And, and she went to number one in the world, you know, after uh, a week after she won the, uh, the CME. And I felt like she should have been number one in the world going into the CME. She, she's just played so much consistent golf. You know, it's, it, I realized that she didn't win a major title, but I just feel like when you look at the scope of the entire year, how consistent she was, how many top five finishes she had, when you look at the fact that, you know, she she kind of cruised into the Bear Trophy, you know, in, in that, that last event for the second year in a row, which obviously takes into account every single shot that you hit all year. So I feel like in my mind is easily the player of the year. And, and, and why, one reason why I love the point system is that when I was going, uh, asking some folks, some players uh, a couple years ago, what they thought, you know, would you like to see it become a vote? And uh, one player uh, mentioned Sophia Popoff as a possibility for player of the year as someone people might vote for. And I was like, See, that's why we don't vote. <laughs> I love Sophia Papa, but that's a Cinderella story. Vastly different to player of the year. So in, in what I think a player of the year should be. So uh, so I just love that it's not, you know, whichever story, you know, got the most clicks on the year or the most headlines or what, you know, tugged at your heartstrings or whatever the case may be. It's not a popularity contest. It is, it is truly how well did you play week in and week out? Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I, I did think Cup Show is an interesting one just because I think it's an interesting conversation how you place a major versus any other tour win, right? What 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 kind of that proper weighting should be. But then also on the other side, one of her wins was in a team format with, with a partner. And, and what is that? You know, how do you weight that compared to an individual stroke play win? Uh, some, some interesting variables there. But I, I think, for total body of work, as you said, Lydia just week in, week out, uh, much more consistent of a player than than Jennifer was this year. So I, I tend to agree with you. I, I, I think Lydia, the, the rightful player of the year, if you will. I am curious, what, what, put, into, put into context or in your words, what does it mean for Lydia Ko, somebody that I think most every casual golfer certainly knows her name, certainly knows that at one point she was this phenom doing incredible things. For Lydia to return to the top of women's golf, how big of a deal is that in your opinion, Bethann? I think it's very meaningful. You know, I think not only, you know, first of all, no player has gone this long in between stretches at number one. 
So it's really cool. Uh, granted, the rankings, the Rolex rankings haven't been around that long, <laughs> but but still, uh, they came around in 2006. But still, when you when you look at the fact that, as you said, as a phenom, she created so many headlines that went beyond the golf world, just into mainstream sports because of the records that she was breaking. And everyone loves when when youngsters do extraordinary things. So you know that kind of puts her a little bit ahead of some other some other players in terms of just uh, notoriety. And, and I also think that, you know, when you listen to Lydia, when, when you listen to her in a press conference, it's a bit Rory-like in how she handles herself, you know, how much she expounds on an answer. She just has an incredible uh, maturity about her when, when she speaks in front of a camera, and whether it's about herself, you know, about another player, about the tour as a whole. And, uh, and I really, and, and that, and she's been that way all forever, you know, I mean, she's been wise beyond her years for a long time. And, and we've always thought that Lydia's greatest asset is her mind. So, uh, <clears throat> you know, I'm really, I'm really excited to see what, what she's going to do, uh, in the coming year, as you say, very close to the LPGA hall of fame, only two points shy of one major championship title can, can finish that off. And probably my most interesting conversation, I had two really interesting conversations on the 18th green while Lydia was getting her pictures taken. And one of them was, was with her fiance and, and I'd never met him before. Extremely uh, warm, friendly, laughed a lot, you know, very, very humble. And, and, you know, we, we know he comes from a notable family in, in South Korea. And, uh, and, you know, he, he talked about their, their, casual rounds of golf and and their favorite thing to do is play golf he just took up golf during covid <laughs> so uh you can imagine that how much this has uh, reinvigorated lydia's love for the game in a totally different way and you know and they're playing for like dinner or, or, or stupid dares that they could you know make each <laughs> yeah. other do at the restaurant you know it's just just fun stuff and so after five minutes with him, I was like, no wonder Lydia's in such a good mood. Like this guy's, this guy's just a nice guy, you know? And I, I was so happy for her when I, when I walked away from him. And then I walked over to her sister and I asked, you know, the million dollar question, how long is she going to keep playing this game? And, and I think that was, I was, it was really interesting to hear what she had to say, because as you know, Lydia's always said she wasn't going to play past 30 and here she is 25, two points away. And she had just said earlier in the week, she wouldn't keep playing chasing one point. If she was ready to leave the game, she wouldn't stretch out a career past when she wanted to play to simply get into the Hall of Fame. So her sister, who also happens to be her manager, Sarah, she said, you know, if Lydia were to get the two points next year, she really wants to play in the 2024 Olympics in Paris. Mm. That's, a, that's a big goal of hers. And so I definitely see her playing through the Olympics in 2024. And then I, and she said, if she's already qualified for the hall of fame by then I could see her, you know, shifting gears to something else. And she said, she talks about what that something else could be quite often. And she loves interior design and, and watching home remodel shows. And <laughs> it was just, it was just fun to, to listen to her sister, you know, kind of talk about the next chapter, but also sad at the same time, because of what we just talked about of what she means to the game. That's really interesting. So I guess folks, uh, the Lydia co fans, and, and if you aren't uh, at least a couple of years to really appreciate her greatness, but, but certainly do so over the next couple of years, it sounds like. 
Um, but who yeah, knows? Be, things can always change. Th- things can always change, a hundred percent. But I would be surprised if she was still playing at you know twenty nine and a half. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Hey folks, real quick, Randy jumping in again. We have one more sponsor to thank, and that is Precision Pro Golf. The Trap Draw is brought to you by our friends at Precision Pro Golf, a proud partner of No Laying Up. Guessing your yardage isn't necessary anymore, and breaking the bank isn't either. At PrecisionProGolf.com, you can get reliable rangefinders or GPS speakers at an affordable price. The award-winning NX10 Slope Rangefinder offers golfers everything they need in a rangefinder. We all have the NX10 on our bags and it has been a total game changer. Locking onto your target and getting a slope adjusted distance is lightning quick. The magnetic cart mount and slope switch make using the NX10 as easy as pie. And what really stands out is the customization. At precisionprogolf.com, you can select from an ever-growing selection of interchangeable designs to attach to your rangefinder. One such skin Precision Pro is proud to offer is a youth-on-course design. Youth-on-course breaks down barriers for kids by providing rounds of golf for as little as $5. You can support this awesome mission by adding the youth-on-course skin to your cart when purchasing a Precision Pro NX10 rangefinder. Precision Pro will then donate $10 to provide kids an opportunity to learn lessons that can only be taught on a golf course. Improve your game and make golf easier by joining the Precision Pro family today with industry-leading customer service, lifelong free battery replacements, and a 30% upgrade discount. Precision Pro Golf is the right choice for you. Head over to precisionprogolf.com to find the right product for you or to find out on how they are working with youth on course to help give kids a chance to get out on the course and learn the game. Swing with confidence, hit more greens with Precision Pro Golf. And now back to my conversation. Well, Bethany, one of the things I did in preparing for our talk today, I went back and listened to our very first podcast this year. And I had us do some predictions about what would happen. Um, your guesses were much better than mine, as can be expected. But one of the one of the things we we I, I had asked you back in gosh January, I think, was who will finish uh, on December thirty first, twenty twenty two. Who will be the number one player in the world? And we both said, you know, well, it's it's Jin Young Ko. I mean, how could it not? So I guess as as we kind of look back and take into consideration the the whole season. Jin Young Ko is a, a huge story and and certainly a disappointment. She obviously is not number one in the world. That that's Lydia Ko. Can you talk about what has gone wrong for Jin Yo, Where she finds herself right now, uh, going into twenty twenty three, and and in your opinion, kind of what the the immediate future holds for her. So I will say that uh, the pre-tournament press conference for Jin Yunko, which was the first time many of us had seen her in person in a long time. It was sad <laughs> because, you know, we asked a lot of injury questions. And of course, when she won the CME the year prior, she she was badly injured as well with her wrists and, and fought through it. And, and she said that this time around, it was worse. Just gripping the club was painful wasn't as bad as it was in, in South Korea when, when she shot 80 and had that 10 on 18 and, but, and, and had ultimately withdrew, but, but it, it, it was still really bad. And, and at one point I asked a question and my response, like my bottom lip came out. Like I just, I was like, Oh, this is sad. Yeah. Oh, you know? yeah. And because there's really like, 
you know, there's no cure really other than, than resting it. And she was going to try this blood spinning procedure that, that might quicken things up a little bit in the healing process. But, uh, but you know, it, it just, she just said, you know, this, I, there are other people out here, plenty of other people on tour that have their own aches and pains and she's not trying to make people feel sorry for her by any stretch, but, but it, it was, it was significantly painful in, in every way, shape and form. Just like I said, gripping the golf club. So, so yeah, very disappointing on so many fronts, given how incredibly strong she finished last season, won her first start of the year and, uh, and just a really tough way to, to wrap it up. It, it just is a constant reminder. And I think it's something that I always forget. And I think people, uh, most people are like me and just how delicate everybody's situation is. And, and when things are going great, it seems like, oh, well, they'll just keep doing this for however many years and, you know, injuries or, or whatever uh, can change things so drastically. And yeah, this the just really, really surprising. Uh, and along these lines, for player of the year, I, again, Jin Young Ko was, was one we said absolutely would be in the player of the year discussion. I actually said Patty Tavitanikit. And that's who I want to ask you about as well, because Patty, I mean, gosh, I, I don't know how you could summarize her 2022 except to say it was it was really bad. She She's down to 50th in the world, which blows my mind in the Rolex rankings. She finished outside the top 60 in the CME standings. I guess along the same lines, what what do you know about Patty right now? What What's your prognosis for her going into 2023? Well, I think Patty gave us a, a window into into how emotionally um, difficult the year has been in Scotland when she she gave an interview, a very emotional interview, and and talked about how difficult personal life had been off the golf course. And she hasn't talked about that. And I, I to be to be honest, I haven't asked her about it. Uh, I don't I don't know when the right time is to ask that question. Uh, but but clearly, you know, she has some stuff going on externally beyond her golf game that uh, is tough. And I know she split up with with Grant Waite, who was who was instrumental in getting her to to where she was in, in 2021. And uh, and and they stopped working together this, this late in the year this year. And uh, I think it's a transition year for Patty and. And as you said earlier, just a reminder of how quickly life can change and throw you a loop and, and whether it's your body or, or something happening you know, to you on a personal level, uh, how much that can impact your golf game. So outside of what, what she said uh, that, that I felt was a, a big window into it at Scotland, I, I really can't shed much light on it, but, uh, but she's a phenomenally talented player. And I truly believe that, you know, mentally when she's ready, uh, you know, that she'll, she'll get back there. Yeah. And gosh, let's, let's hope that's sooner rather than later, uh, self, both selfishly for, you know, our sake as, as fans of the game and, and certainly also for her sake as well. Um, we both picked out uh, guesses on first-time major winner this year, and we had two different people. Unfortunately, there were two first-time major winners this year, but we did not identify them. Although I will say, Beth Ann, you were all over Jennifer Cupcho. Uh, that had been your guess in previous years. She finally paid it off with her win 
in California at Palm Springs at the Chevron, and then Ashley Buhai, uh, a, a Cinderella story, winning the the British Open at Muirfield. Um, you had said your guess was Yalimi No, which I really like that guess. Maybe a year, right? yeah, maybe still a year <laughs> too early. She was. I actually was looking back at her major record this year, and it was not good at all. And then mm. I had said Nasa Hataoka who was around in a lot of majors, but never really, really threatened uh, in, in any of them, I don't think. So um, we both kind of missed that one. But talk to me, you know, Jennifer Cupcho, it, it felt like this year, 2022, was the culmination of a lot of expectations, right? Uh, solidifying herself in kind of that upper echelon in, uh, of the LPGA Tour, I think. Uh, what do you see and expect from her as as you look to 2023 and beyond, I guess. Yeah, so Jennifer will tell you that putting, you know, has been the, the key difference for her, especially in, in that victory in the desert. And, you know, she she also got married. And, you know, there was, there was a lot of planning and a lot going on around, around all that. And so, you know, to have that kind of pushed off her plate and, and, um, and be able to focus on golf, and entirely, I think, you know, was, uh, was helpful, but I, you know, I think consistency is just what's next. As you were mentioning earlier, the difference between why I think Lydia is player of the year versus why Jennifer isn't, um, that, you know, that's, that's the next level, I think for Jennifer to, to get into that, you know, true upper echelon of, of players in terms of, could she be number one in the world one day? That still probably is, is, is where, where she needs to go in terms of that week in and week out consistency. But, uh, but, but truly, you know, she said, I have done other things since I won the Augusta national women's amateur, <laughs> but that, you know, that seems to be all people ever want to talk about. And, and so now that she's won, won a major, you know, she was like, well, maybe people will start, start talking about what I've been doing on the LPGA too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, somebody that we're definitely, Going to be talking a lot about, we, we both pegged Ataya Titicum as Rookie of the Year, and she paid that off. And not only did she win Rookie of the Year, but she just turned 19. She's ranked third in the world in the Rolex ranking. She won twice in 2022. And I think almost most impressively, she led the LPGA with 16 total top 10s. Um, which just speaks to week in and week out where her game is and and her talent level. Um, I think it's safe to say, as I said, we're going to be seeing and hearing a lot from Ataya Titicum, uh, not only next year but beyond. How, how impressed are you with with just her game? And then, have you gotten a chance to to spend any time with her off the course or to kind of pry into what makes her tick at all? Well. You know, it's interesting because I, I, I really feel like no, number one, I, I, you know, we expect her to have a good year. I didn't expect it to be quite <laughs> this good. I didn't expect her to, you know, rise to number one in the world, put herself in the conversation for player of the year. Uh, that surpassed my expectations, uh, despite her sparkling amateur career, wonderful run on the LET. But, but this is a player with a great head on her shoulders. I mean, I, her attitude, her, she's she's humble in in a way that Lydia Co was at that age and and remains, and and she just laughed throughout her her pre tournament presser. It was just so delightful listening to her. You know, she just had this great presence about her, 
And and I just thought, wow, this is somebody that that fans, as they get to know, are really going to enjoy because she just has this demeanor about her that is just it's just effervescent when when she get, when she gets going. She can she can light up a room when you know when given the mic. And and later that week at the Rolex dinner, Nancy Lopez sat at, at the same table as as Ataya and introduced her and, and she talked about that, you know, how this is, you know, this, a smiling champion uh, or something along those lines. And, and Nancy was so impressed with her personality and her demeanor. And so I, I think that fans will begin to connect with Ataya as the years go on and, and they become more familiar with their name, with her name and, and, and hear more from her. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I can't wait to see where she goes from here because I guess like you, I had heard so much about her, right? And and her her place had certainly spoken for itself. But um, I, yeah, I, I guess getting back to the 16 top 10s, the leading the tour, uh, you know, getting those first couple wins. Um, I, I, I think I'm so excited to kind of see her progress. And I think that starts with you know, probably major championships are, are going to become much bigger spotlight for her and, and the expectations and, and to see where she goes from here. Because I feel like I'm always saying this to you, but but with 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 her and, and Nellie and, and now Lydia and if Jin Young Ko can can get healthy, I mean, gosh, it just it, it really does feel like the women's game is could be in such a, a fun, special place here over the next couple of years, at least. Yeah. And I, I wish I could remember what 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 question uh, prompted this response? But I, I can't remember what the question was, but, but Tyus said, golf is really tough guys, or it's really tough guys or something along those lines. And then she just started laughing, you know, and I was, <laughs> I was just like, you know, let's, let's temper the expectations a little bit. This is hard, you know? And I, and I, I just love that, that, you know, that moment in time of just reminding us that what she's done is hard and to keep, keep it up is hard, you know? So I, I, um, but like you, I mean, I, I obviously a major championship seems like it's, uh, the, the, the natural next step. And, uh, and I look forward to, to, to what that continues to mean for golf in Thailand. Amen. Amen. Uh, all right. I want to play uh, another little game I just made up. It's called success or failure. I'm going to put you on the spot and you have to deem each of these ladies 2022 campaign either a success or a failure. And let's just start with who I think is the most interesting, Lexi Thompson. Um, She did not win, which I think is noteworthy. She did finish runner-up at a major. Uh, She had another tied for fourth at a major. And she had eight top tens on the LPGA Tour. Would you classify her 2022 as a success as a success or failure Beth Ann? Uh, a failure I mean when you're as talented as Lexi Thompson is and you don't win I think I, I, I can't figure out how you could categorize it anything but I mean if these are my only two options right they're the <laughs> only two I'm only giving you two I'm only giving no, you two it's failure. I mean she did she did win on the ladies European tour but she needs she needs to win on the LPGA again and 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 the major championship uh, that you mentioned, the KPMG Women's PGA was was a bit of a collapse. So uh, so I definitely think failure. I agree with you. I'm glad you didn't take it easy on her. Uh, that <laughs> that that major championship monkey is has grown into a gorilla, and 
I think she continues to be one of the more fascinating people out there for so many reasons. So um, I yeah. I love watching her. I know that's not always like good for her because sometimes it's because she's collapsing or or, or whatnot. But uh, I think she's wonderful for the women's game. The next person, Hannah Green. And I, I want to frame this with a little bit of context. She had stated that her goal was to be in the top 10 in the world by the end of this year. Uh, she's currently ranked 20th, so obviously not quite there. She did not win. She did have nine top 10s. Uh, I'm, I'm curious how somebody like Hannah Green, who has won a major, right? How, how that resume feels to you, whether success or failure. Excuse my email there. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that, uh, again, given these options, um, <laughs> you know, it's, I, I, I feel like um, my expectations were higher for her. Now, maybe that's because she raised them. <laughs> but, uh, but, but maybe she'll win the Australian Women's Open and, and, and then the event or the year will then be deemed a success. Uh, but you know, I think when you when you win a major championship early on, uh, you know, you kind of you kind of set a, a tone for for what what we're looking for. And she revamped her game. You know, she's longer. You know, she did she did all these things. And so I was waiting for the next step. I agree. And I think that's fair. I, I think if, if she sets a very public goal of wanting to be top 10 in the world and comes up short of it, I, I think it's fair to, you know, I, I don't think we're insulting her saying then 2022 is probably more on the, the failure side of the spectrum. Uh, and it, it's a compliment really, right? Uh, exactly. <laughs> because again, I, I think we, we've seen what she can do uh, and, and there are expectations. The next one I think is interesting because She's been on tour for a, for a little while now. Madeline Sackstrom. She did not win this year, which I have to say was a, a little bit surprising and, and a disappointment to me. She did collect five top tens. She finished top five at a major. Uh, she made three other cuts at the majors. Generally good finishes. But she's you know she's around that thirty years old mark, which for women on the LPGA tour is you know, it's, it's getting on there career wise. So I'm curious how you would classify Madeline Sackstrom's 2022. You know, again, this is sort of a compliment, right? I mean, Madeline Sackstrom has a lot of game. She hits the ball a long way. She's been there at major championships where you feel like, you know, she could close one of these. Madeline is definitely one of those players that should, should be on a, on a, on a list of players to watch at a major, you know, that might not be um, one of the heavy hitters in terms of top, top 10 players, but, but somebody to watch. And so I, I kind of feel like it's uh, disappointing is probably a more accurate word, but since that's not my option again, I mean, I, I, I feel like, um, I was waiting for more from Madeline too. Yeah, gosh, I'm sounding really mean about these. Oh, this is me, uh, yeah, this is just bullet bulletin board <laughs> material for these women in the off season. They're just going to have these quotes plastered yeah. up all over. But I do, I, I totally agree with you. I, I think I was, I really thought this would be the year she would at least get another victory. I, I see her, and I, and I still do. I see her progressing. As you said, she has so much game. When it clicks, I, I feel like it clicks for maybe a round or two at a time right now instead of four consecutive days, which 
is probably the next big hurdle. But man, she's had great looks in majors. She's been the 54 hole leader at at stroke play events and just hasn't hasn't followed that that first victory with a second. So I think a little bit of tough love, but I think we have to label that a failure in this game. Oh, yeah. But again, we had high expectations for a reason. That's right. That's right. Well, I think I know where this next one's going to go, but I put down Leona McGuire. So she did win her first LPGA Tour victory this year. She had eight top tens. She made the cut in every major, including two top tens. I think this might be a softball, but success or failure for Leona McGuire? No, finally a success. Yes. Yes, and 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 contended there at the uh, CME Group Tour Championship. Right. Had, a, had a nice finish to the season. You know, I, I think I think for for Leona, she carries a little bit of extra weight, given that no Irish player had ever won on the LPGA, which still remains to be stunning. Uh, so for her to to finally get that done was was a big deal. And and given what she did at the Solheim Cup last year. This was her natural next step that we were anticipating. And so because she she did what we had hoped that she would do, it is it is a a, I think a a very successful year for Leona McGuire. And so now what do we do, Randy? Now we expect her to win. Exactly (laughs) right, Beth Ann. I was just getting ready to say now we ratchet up the expectations. And if she doesn't meet them, then we label her season a failure. Uh, Unless she's the sole cup year. Exactly. I will say what makes Leona a little interesting is she's 27. Um, I think she's just burst onto a lot of people's radars recently. I think it'd be easy to kind of assume she's 22, 23 years old. And again, I always feel weird with ages, but just in the context of, of women's golf and, and LPGA, I, I, you know, 27 is, is not the same thing as 19. And so I think that's what makes Leona and her career arc. I'll be really interested uh, kind of over these next few years because she's, she didn't get the start at eighteen, nineteen like some other women have. Right. I mean, and what an incredible collegiate career that she had. She was the number one amber in the world forever and and played four years at Duke. And and so she definitely uh, when it comes to uh, she was a prodigy. She she and her sister Lisa were well, well known as 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 kids around the world in terms of how, how good they were so young, especially Leona. And, uh, and, and yet she took the slow route to the LPGA and, and I admire her for it. I think she's a very well-rounded person. Her sister's going to dental school. Uh, you know, I think that she will have a long career in the LPGA. I fully expect her to be out there for quite some time. And I think she will, I predict that she will make a, a huge impact on golf in Ireland, you know, over the next decade. Yeah. Honestly, that's probably where her biggest, um, Oh gosh, what's what's the word? I'm like, I guess legacy, right? Legacy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If if we want to talk legacy, that's that's absolutely where she could make the biggest legacy. Um, the last one I have, I thought this one was pretty interesting. Nelly Corda. I'm I'm curious how you judge. Um, you know, injury is not the right word because she didn't really have. It was more just a bad yeah. luck medical condition um, that kept her out a lot of 2022, but. She did return. She played 15 events. She had top 10 finishes in eight of those 15 events and won once 
In totality, what would you say about 2022 for Nelly Corda? I deem Nelly a success because I think that when, even though she downplayed compared to what her coach said and what, you know, and her father talking about how, you know, she, this, she could have died. You know, this was a really, really scary situation. And, and these I were, like yeah, I'll just add, these were um, blood clots that had traveled right. in, into, I believe her arm was where they, they really discovered yes. it, but obviously could have traveled into lungs or, you know, up into the brain that that would have been really, really dangerous stuff. Yeah. So, so she, she downplayed, you know, the, the seriousness of it to an extent, you know, when, when, um, you know, Jamie, her coach's comments came out, but, but I, I would say though that uh, you know to see the relief on her face at the Pelican Women's Championship, to see the embrace with her father, the amount of emotion that was wrapped up in that moment of, of what it took to get back into the winner's circle, uh, given the unknown of will I even play again this year, uh, having to overcome all of that and reset your expectations. Uh, maybe go at it a little too hard and, and have to reel that back in. You know, there, there was, this was a, a big year of, 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 of growth, I think, and just, just, just a change in perspective. And so I, I definitely deem this year a success for her. I, tough to argue with that. I, I think with all the context, absolutely a success. If you were just to tell us, Hey, she's going to win once, you know, her season's going to be cut short at, at, the beginning of 2022, I think we'd probably be like, oh, well, that sounds like a not a good year at all. But totally agree when, when you take everything into account, uh, definitely success. And I'm glad she's now healthy ending 2022 and can look forward to a full, hopefully prosperous 2023, as opposed to, you know, having the, the injury and the, and the medical condition uh, end her season prematurely. Uh, well, that's, you know, th- those were kind of the highlights of of. 2022, I think one of the more crazy stats I found, 11 first-time winners this year, which um, the the LPGA website only goes back to 2026, but there have never been 11 first-time winners in a season going back to at least 2026, uh, which is kind of a wild statistic this year. Yeah, 1995, the most times a record set in 1995, and... Uh, you know, I got that from the LPGA communications department because as you said, it's not on their website, but, uh, but I, I would say that, uh, you know, part of that in, in having this conversation, I went back and I looked at the number of starts for players and obviously Nellie and Jin Young, you know, were injured. And so they didn't, they didn't play as much as they normally would have, but even so, Lexi at 18, Danielle, another one player who was injured, 18, and Ji Chan, 19, Brooke, 22, Lydia, 22. Uh, you know, it's um, players aren't playing as, as much as, as they used to, I think, in some cases for top players, whether it's because of an injury or, or otherwise. And so that actually, I think, opens the door for, for other players to step in and have their moment now. That being said, the tour is undoubtedly deeper than ever. There are players from all over the world who are who are step onto the tour in many cases ready to win, like like Ataya. So, uh, you know, I, I definitely think that um, that this speaks to the the quality of the tour, but I also think it speaks to the fact that a lot of the top players took a lot of weeks off. Yeah, which I want to come back to that, but before we do, I'm curious. Um 
if you were to kind of rank order emergences, right? Uh, I, I feel like we can look at 2022 and, and certain players really emerged onto the scene this year, or uh, it might be a reemergence, right? In the case of, a, of an NG Chun. If you were to rank order kind of your five favorite emergences slash reemergences this year, uh, I'm curious what that would look like, Beth Ann. The, the rank, the ranking part's difficult off the top of my head, but <laughs> I mean, Ataya has to be the most impressive, right, in terms of of what what she did as a rookie. Uh, but then, but then I go to NG. Great to see NG back in the winner's circle at a major championship. Nearly won the the AIG as well. Uh, you know, given what she has had overcome mentally, uh, and then when you look at uh, Maya Stark. And Lynn Grant, I kind of put them, you know, almost side by side in terms of what they've been able to accomplish. Obviously, Maya Stark actually won on the LPGA and then uh, came straight over and has just had a phenomenal year worldwide, winning, winning everywhere. But Lynn Grant doing what she was able to accomplish while handicapped and not being able to compete on U.S. soil and I think she's ranked in the top 30 right now and, and, and would have played the CME Group Tour Championship uh, but because she's not vaccinated, uh, couldn't get into the United States. So um, obviously, she won won four times on the LAT. Was you know their player of the year, and and just had a great season over there. So even though she didn't play that much on the LPGA, she did have full membership status. And yeah. you know when she did, when she was able to play, most of the time was in the top ten. Right, right. And folks are like, well, how was she able to, because the LPGA has tons of tournaments overseas, countries she, she could get to and, and compete in. Uh, really remarkable. I think she had six LPGA official starts this year and still would have qualified in the top 60 uh, of the CME off of those six starts alone, which is, which is pretty remarkable. Absolutely. And then I think also you look at somebody like an Andrea Lee, who, who won for the first time. I think Lilia Vu, who was a very heralded amateur and had struggled a little bit with the transition to pro golf and certainly the LPGA, had a really good year. Uh, those are two that, that I had written down as well. Yeah. I mean, Andrea Lee, you know, started the year on the Epson Tour. So, uh, you know, to start the year on the Epson Tour and, and you're, you're winning on the Epson Tour while the tour is playing a major championship and then you come back you know, and, and went on the LPGA and, and, and play your way into everything. Uh, and now, you know, certainly a, a favorite to be on the Solheim Cup team next year. You know, this this was a turnaround year for Andrea Lee. But given how good she was in college at Stanford, uh, what what we, we expected all along. Let's see. Before we – I have a couple things about 2023, but before we – before I get there to kind of end things, I did want to mention uh, one of the crusades that you have been on was paid off in 2022. I'm curious if if you could speak to that. I, I think you know what I'm what I'm talking about, but would love to hear it in your words. Yeah, you know the LPGA founders, uh, thir- thirteen wonderful women uh, who were not all in the Hall of Fame, which is just absolutely mind boggling. And, uh, and so this was twofold. I wanted Lorena Ochoa to finally get into the LPGA Hall of Fame, even though she didn't meet that pesky 10-year requirement. And I, and I really wanted 
the Hall of Fame, the, the rest of the the class of uh, you know of um, of LPGA founders who weren't in the Hall of Fame to get into the Hall of Fame. And so that one of the the, the only the only player still with us at that time was was Shirley Sport. And so uh, she, among the founders who were already in who were still still living. So Shirley, um, bless her heart, we saw her at the Chevron Championship when. When the news broke out that the LPGA was finally going to do this, she was there with Lorena Ochoa, and uh, it was wonderful visiting with her and, and chatting with her uh, on, a, on the practice screen there at Mission Hills. It was fitting because she's lived in the desert for you know forever, for over 50 years, and, and uh, that was her home. And so for the final uh, Chevron ever played at Mission Hills to, to include this announcement that, that Shirley was going to be in the, the LPGA Hall of Fame uh, was was fantastic, as she said to me, long overdue. <laughs> and uh, and and I mean, we had that moment, and of course, never in a million years we had guessed in a few short weeks that that she would pass. And so, uh, losing Shirley Spork, you know, it's it's just like another living, breathing, wonderful piece of LPGA, you know, history is gone. And I'm I'm so grateful for the amount of time that I had to spend with her. And the lessons that, that she taught along the way, the stories that she told, I'm, I'm so grateful that, you know, she wrote a book about her extraordinary life and how instrumental she was in the, the teaching division or the LPGA teaching division. And, uh, and, and her legacy will, will live on. And I, and I am so, so thankful that she was with us when she got into the Hall of Fame and that it didn't happen, you know, after her death. Amen to that. I, I think that's, to, that that she got to experience such a special moment, so much more impactful than had it been after her after her death. So uh, I, I know you won't take any credit for it, but I congratulate you on on fighting that yeah. good fight and and seeing a, a payoff there. That's that's very cool. Well, it certainly wasn't me, but I was uh, I was uh, I'm just grateful. Yeah. Um, well, let me get you out on this. The, the 2023 calendar, as we look ahead, the LPGA has released their their schedule of events. Um, it's an interesting one to me. And I think what jumps out first and foremost, the Tournament of Champions, the, the traditional season opening event is kind of in that third week of January where it's always been. And, it all, and it's really standing alone. And I'm not sure if that's good or bad. It, it's a weird start to the year. And it's compounded by the fact that after that, they, they take a few weeks off and then they go to Asia for several weeks. And so after that Tournament of Champions event, there's not another event in the United States before the end of March. What, what do you think about the start of the 2023 calendar? Yeah, so don't quote me on it, but I, I think it has to do with the, the network television spot that they have uh, for, for that event. And, and maybe when they can get some of the celebrities in. Okay. Um, I'm not 100% sure on all that, but I think there's, you know, more to the story than just why can't <laughs> they just move it? Yeah. Um, because I, they, it, would, it wouldn't look so bad, right? It would make everyone a lot happier if it just started in February. Right. Everyone got their two months off. And then, it, you know, it didn't look like this huge, huge gap and, and players having to come back for this one event early and then, you know, have more time off or you know, fly all the way over from Asia. And so most, many of them won't, you know, they'll, they'll start in Asia and, and skip that one uh, for, for tour winners. I mean, and so, you know, I think uh, 
the, the, the hardest part of it is that if you didn't qualify for the CME group tour championship and you finished your season at the Pelican in, in you know, mid November, you don't tee it up again until late March because you're not in any of those limited field events. You don't, you're not going to qualify for the tournament of champions and you're not, you're not going to get into those Asian fields. So that's like half the tour. Yeah. And that's a long time to not be getting a paycheck. So I understand that some players, you know, especially top players wanted to have a longer off season, that that's important to them. <laughs> but the people that are getting the longer off season are the people who need to be playing. So it's just kind of, like I said earlier, you know, I understand it's a big complicated puzzle and it's hard to get, you know, exactly what you want, but you know, the Australian women's open, the Vic open, you know, there used to be back when I started covering this tour, there were the first two events of the year were, were in Hawaii and you know, the tour went from there to Asia. And I feel like, and those were, those were big events, not limited field. So I feel like, uh, there's a lot of work to be done to, to make this make a lot more sense because it's way too much time off for a lot of players. Yeah. Uh, speaking of doesn't quite make sense, I, I still don't get the timing and I'm sure it's because that's where the sponsor wants it. Uh, the match play in Las Vegas at Shadow Creek uh, continues to just be a weird <laughs> spot in May when it's like 110 degrees and... Uh, at least, I guess, the silver lining with the U.S. Open moving to a new date this year, at least it doesn't go right before the U.S. Open. But but that's one that, that scratches has me scratching my head. I guess on the flip side, the international crown is back. It's going to be at TPC Harding Park. Very cool team, you know, country-centric event. Uh, a chance to watch some of the best from Korea, for instance, take on some of the best from the United States or... You know, Sweden is is going to be a growing power in the women's game, I hope. Uh, that, and then I think Annika having, so what was, has been the Pelican, she is taking over essentially that tournament and it's going to be in her name. I, I think that's probably a really good thing for women's golf. A hundred percent. You know, I, my only, my only um, regret is that it's not at Lake Nona. Because it, it wouldn't have made a lot more yeah. sense to have Annika of course. Event, yeah. Yeah. You know, add her course. Yeah. So the Tournament of Champions is at like, no, no. Annika's <laughs> driving yeah. over to, to Bel Air yeah. to host her event. But, but you know, regardless, it, it is a um, it is a wonderful thing to have Annika, uh, you know, headlining an, an event again on the LPGA. And she continues to do a lot of important work around the world with her foundation and all the tournaments that that she hosts for for junior girls and of course she has the scandinavian mix as well in sweden that lynn grant won um, it's co-sanctioned with the dp world tour so really important that that she she still has that presence uh, on the lpga because she remains a household name in in the women's game as the lpga is trying to find more of that yeah Last thing, and I don't want to end it on a total bummer, but it is worth talking about. Um, I, I want to preface this by saying in that January podcast that we did at the beginning of the year, we were both super optimistic, hopeful that there would be some type of mixed LPGA, PGA event in 2023. There's nothing on the calendar. It seems like another year will we'll pass by without that being a reality, which I think continues to be a, a huge 
weakness um, and, and really hole for both the PGA and LPGA tours. And where that gets doubly interesting, depressing is when then we start talking about live. If, if you and I talk in December of 2023, what is the women's game going to look like? Are, are, are we going to be in the midst of a total fracturing of the women's game? And if we are, I think one of the things uh, a live series will will really hang its hat on are are mixed events and and bringing men and women together to to compete not only on the same course but but against one another even. Um, so I'm just curious what you think the next twelve months holds in terms of the the Saudi threat to 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 the LPGA tour. And then uh, we just keep dropping the ball on a PGA, LPGA uh, mixed event, I think. No, 100%. And I, I, I wish that, um, that the, the top players on the PGA Tour uh, would – I realize they have a lot going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of, of the greater good of, of the LPGA and strengthening the game as a whole – it would be nice if they would champion this cause of, of having a mixed event and they would court a sponsor or, you know, uh, agree to play for a little bit less than their standard offering in order to be able to, to pay, you know, both men and women. So um, I definitely think that that seems like, I mean, it's so overdue. It's, it's, it's ridiculous, but, uh, but I'm, I am very, I remain very concerned about what's going to happen for the future of the game when it comes to Golf Saudi and and whether you want to call it live or, or what are, the Aramco series will evolve into. Uh, what is the LET going to do? Or, you know, are they going to vote to come under the LPGA ownership? Uh, will they will they go their separate ways? Will the LET evolve into a rival tour for the LPGA fully backed by Aramco events with big purses. We, we know one has already gone up to $5 million for this coming year. So, uh, you know, I definitely think that there are a lot more questions than answers. And I think we're all very clear that um, most of the top players on the LPGA would, would file the money in a heartbeat. Uh, so um, it, this, is a, this is a very... Um, delicate situation the lpga remains very vulnerable i think and um and i'm 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 really curious to see how how the new commissioner will navigate it and we've come full circle we, we began kind of talking about leadership and and some things uh to do with the commissioner and and that's a great place to end it um yeah it'll be it'll be very interesting uh i i look forward to you know in a way, look forward to seeing how all that transpires and in a way, um, just, I guess, loathing all of it. But uh, in any event, the encore stuff, I think, will be very good in 2023. Tons of young, really high-level talent. As you said, the women's game is is probably deeper than it's ever been. So um, hopefully, at least we'll have a lot of excellent golf uh, in 2023. Bethann, Always, always so much fun chatting with you. Uh, I hope we can see and hear a lot more of you in 2023 on our channels. And you're just my favorite person to catch up with. So thank you. Thank you for all your time this year and, and all your wisdom. 
Thank you. And I look forward to seeing you at Pebble Beach. Heck this yes. Year. That's what we're really looking forward to. <laughs> History. Yep, I got that one circled. Uh, all right. Well, have a great rest of the year. We'll get you out on that note um, and enjoy the holiday season. You too. Thanks. Thanks again. <laughs> Favorite trapper, the absolute truth, yeah, no joke. Who me?